welcome back to the Fashion Cupboard podcast. Today we're going to be speaking to the amazing Sarah Rose Harrison, who is a celebrity stylist as well as an editorial stylist, all about her journey and how she got into her career, how she became a celebrity stylist, and pretty much everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy, and happy Valentine's Day. Over to Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Emma. Hi. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Good. So nice to talk to you. We are going to jump straight in and just chat a little bit about like the industry and kind of your journey. And yeah, so first question for you. How did you start working in the fashion industry? And what was the most challenging part about breaking into it? So I took a bit of a journey to get into getting actually into fashion. So I, at school, I wanted to be a journalist um, and I was so like really passionate about being like an investigative journalist. Um, So I went to Queen Mary and I studied um, comparative literature and linguistics. And whilst I was there, I did internships at Jordan Kingsley and Penguin. I was like, "Mm, maybe I want to be in publishing, like this would be great um but they were really my first one at Dunning Kingsley was amazing my one at Penguin was like horrendous and I was like I do not want to be in publishing yeah one of my tasks there was I had to ring all of the shopping editors from like every single newspaper every single magazine and just kind of inquire about their Christmas gift guide which if you've ever done a Christmas gift guide is like the tool nobody wants to have a hundred percent it's like it like starts in July it's just it's a whole other it's a whole situation worst yeah worst um but I got so nervous about it and I was like maybe like magazines is something I'm interested in so I off the back of that I managed to get an internship at Stella at the Telegraph and then I just I just the whole way through university I was interning at every opportunity for like weekly magazines, monthly magazines, stylists who work in television. I was just really trying to get as much experience as I could. Um, I'd often find that like nearer the end of my um, degree when I like was able to kind of try and get a job, I did find that I kept like missing. The person before me would have been the intern and then got the assistant role. And I'd always be like, oh, just missed that by a few months, which is like timing is the whole thing. Um, So I was interning and this opportunity came about where I was at Cosmopolitan for like six months and I was just Sarah's assistant and I got to go on Sarah Stent who's amazing um, and she was just the most wonderful person to work for and took me on my first shoot because I'd spent probably 10 months or so and I'd not actually been on a shoot and I'd been like working and assisting and helping everything come together and dealing with the aftermath but never actually going to set yeah so that was so amazing such a thrill um, and then I finished there and just I ended up getting a job at U Magazine for one of their longer internship roles which was paid which is such a thrill because up to that point it was either no payment a beauty bag <laughs> or um like 40 pounds a week and um fill everyone in quickly a beauty bag is like legendary in the fashion industry. yeah and like it tends to happen when you intern somewhere for like a month and obviously you're getting however much you know however much money the magazine is offering you for travel and everything like that um but you always finish your internship and you're given a beauty bag which is literally the beauty department have just pulled like loads of samples it is so thrilling seeing what's in the uh, oh my gosh and especially if you had like a lovely beauty editor like when we when i was at look later and we'd put them together for our interns you'd be like oh 
Yeah. So, oh, the, yeah, because you were like curating this bag of like goods to you. Like, thank you so much. You were wonderful. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was wonderful. So I was, basically, I got to U Magazine. I did a longer placement there. I left there and went to ES Magazine, which was so like the most fast paced, full on um, kind of placement I ever did. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I got to work under Jenny Kennedy, Anna Chattel, and Sophie Paxton, who were all doing separate things out. And they were so different in each of their approaches that I just learned so much from all of them yeah. um, and then whilst I was there there was an opportunity to become like a fashion coordinator at U Magazine so um, I kept in touch with the team and they reached out to me about that and I was so excited <laughs> to finally actually like have a bit of a job because I'd done it for so long but always kind of the timing wasn't right or the placement hadn't been right or things just hadn't aligned right so when it actually happened oh it was Oh my God. it was so thrilling it was yeah. great a bit of a longer journey but um some people just walk in they're like first placement everything aligns it goes but yeah it was it was worth the wait definitely that is do you know what is so funny because your experience at cosmo is exactly the same as my experience at cosmo and with sarah wow. um i mean wonderful like, she's she's the best and i would say like she was probably for me the person that uh, influenced me the most to go into the fashion industry because in the same way she took me on my first shoot and like I just remember being like oh my god she was so just so lovely and being like I want to do what she does like she's so cool like I yeah. want to be like, just yeah. a great example as well like just that you can be so kind and at the same time yeah she was just yeah. like I just remember she was always like so gracious with like the PRs and like she was just so lovely and that's so funny though that you had a similar kind of experience at Cosmo because I also was there for three months and I remember the day that I left the internship and not really it was my first like fashion internship and I don't think I fully understood at that point that you know internships come to an end they don't always yeah. lead to a job and I remember my dad being like are they gonna offer you a job are they gonna offer you a job and I so didn't know and obviously they, they couldn't because they didn't have a job for like going at that time. Yeah. I remember being on the tube on the way home with my last day and just sobbing, like bawling my eyes out on my last day. But like it is, I think like you've just said, like, you know, it's so important in those like formative kind of that formative period of time to just intern as much as you can if, if that's a possibility for you. Yeah. And you just don't know. And that's also like struck a chord with me when you said like, it always seemed like the person next to you was always getting the role because I, I felt really similar when I started. It was like, oh, but they've just appointed a fashion assistant or they've just appointed a coordinator. Yeah, and you just knew, although you'd have a great, like as much as you could do there and you'd have a great time and it'd be a great opportunity, you just knew it wasn't actually, you were still going to network, you're still going to get connections and it would be brilliant, but you knew you weren't going to secure a role in that position. So you were a bit like, oh, <laughs> And also, I think so hard when you work somewhere for like a month and by like the end of week three, you get, you know, the team really well yeah. and you've like made friends and then all I get so friends. attached as well. I'm like, oh, like, oh, the subs, I'm going to miss the subs. I love the subs, I like the couriers and the, the receptionist. So, okay. So you, you, your first role, your first like official role was at you? Yes. Yeah. So tell, tell us a bit about like that role. And so I was, I'm trying, I think it was, yeah, I'm sure it was. So that was maternity cover and basically my career, I was always like searching for a permanent contract. And to this day, I've still never had a permanent contract. I've just done like maternity covers or like freelance roles. 
And it's at the point now, if someone comes near me with a permanent contract, I'm like, no, leave me alone. <laughs> so it's funny that the things you chase, you're then like, actually, no, I'm fine. Um, so I was at U Magazine and I was doing maternity covers. So I was helping basically the whole team and then also shooting and styling some things. So I was, um, I'd be styling like still lifes and um, putting together some pages. Um, but I've mainly worked with like a really good friend of mine, Alicia Motion. And we just had the best time and oh, I, I just loved it so much. We yeah. like her and I like we're still really good friends today. Like she was just wonderful. Um, but we, it was different because although you is a weekly, it's put together so far in advance that it does feel like a bit more of a monthly because you kind of file everything a month ahead yeah. of when it comes out and is published. So it kind of was very familiar to my time at like Cosmo and places like that, where you've got that long lead, you've got that time to be like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Whereas when I moved to Look Magazine, it'd be like, so it's going to press tomorrow. Um, we need a story that's going on the cover. And you're like, oh, cool. That's, that's also something that like people might not realize, like when you buy a weekly or when you buy a monthly, a monthly is done maybe like six, seven weeks before, like maybe longer, like maybe a month. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple of months, some of them, yeah. So maybe like up to eight weeks before that cover goes live, it's already been finished. And so the people that work in the fashion industry, the people that work for these magazines, they have to predict the trends that are going to be popular in two months' yeah. time. And I think that's quite, that can be quite difficult to do. But I think it's a real talent as well, because you, I think it's something that's kind of it's overlooked now, I think, a little bit, because it is a real talent. Because like someone like Rachel Story will have put together an amazing piece in Hello Fashion, and might have done it two months in advance and that's done and then suddenly it's all over Instagram this one bag yeah but that's more like immediate reaction whereas it's like no she she saw that and thought this is gonna be a thing she spotted that trend saw this whole thing and I think that's something that's kind of overlooked a little bit is like that actual talent for finding these pieces so ahead 100% out of all the hundreds of lookbooks and sites and brands like going oh yeah that's the hero piece let's place it or seeing like seeing kind of a thread that links loads of shows together and being like okay well maxi bags seem to be in every show i agree i think it's such a like such a skill to be able to pick out these things in advance and then all of a sudden they're like flooded all over instagram and it just seems like the magazines picked it up because they've seen that but actually it's been no, months prior. yeah months prior. um yeah i doing those trend reports and and just going to like all the shows and oh it's it's such a buzz like when you've spent years and years on the outer edges like trying to get in and just like all the sacrifices you make to try and get there when you're like oh we're at this show this is this is amazing like, i'm here <laughs> I've made I'm it. we're it. in the front row this is a real moment <laughs> yeah. i think as well it's a thing where you're like sometimes when you're in a moment you don't actually appreciate it for what it is you forget like how far you're just like oh i'm not complacent but you're, you don't really take it in so i'm trying to do more than that but yeah even when you're like taking photos and you're like in live you think you're like in the moment but actually you're not fully kind of understanding in that moment how much hard work it's taken for you to get to that no. point. Like, no. people often message me on instagram when i like do fashion week and they're like oh my god like how are you sitting front row like and i'm like what they don't see is like years and years of graft and speaking and making yeah. relationships with these prs because not that that's the only reason you make relationships but there's so much that goes into even being invited, being on a list yeah. for a fashion yeah. show. It's crazy. But I mean, speaking of front row, 
Um, we're going to move on a little bit to talking yeah. about celebrity styling. So yeah. I know, obviously, you're an amazing celebrity stylist, mm -hmm. and I would love to hear a little bit more about that and that journey and how you got to that point. Yeah, so I was working for a weekly magazine that it was kind of teetering on the edge of, edges of closing, and then it closed. And about a week after it closed, I got an email from like a loose acquaintance but we'd always been really friendly and she worked at a newspaper and she was like hi I know you're free and available right now can you start this shoot and I was like yeah thanks so much for thinking about me absolutely so I went on the shoot style it was with Emily Atak styled Emily and um, this was seven months before she went into the jungle kept in touch with her team and then once she'd been in the jungle they got in touch and were like can you help us and I, I did and we worked together really closely for long time and then we I got booked on a really exciting job with her for this um new tv show that was then later thanks to covid picked up by hbo <laughs> which is quite cool called um single town and joel domit was going to be co-presenting it with her and i i'd not met joel i'd seen his work but i'd not met him and emily was like you need sarah he was struggling a bit and he was like can you help me and i was like absolutely so I started working with him and he's become a really good friend and him and his wife, his amazing wife Hannah, who I love, they've just been like the most joyous pair to work with. Like I helped them with their wedding, which was oh, such a privilege. But the whole thing is more about like recommendations, but that is kind of the same career path as just styling. because That's the only way you really get jobs, whether it's at magazines or clients. It's just keeping your head down, working hard and yeah. hoping that someone goes, oh yeah, she'll be good or you'll like her or him. Yeah, being like easy to work with and being someone that people would want to recommend like yeah having like a really good attitude and someone like someone being like oh like I know I know who could be really good for this job like I know who's a really good stylist and a really nice person that is also sometimes like how it happens I mean I think it can be quite hard to I, I don't know anything about obviously like entering kind of that world without having the editorial background or how that would that would even work for someone but I mean I'm no. sure there are ways as long as you're you know you have a portfolio or you have you've got that work to reach out to people and be like hey I'm a freelance stylist and absolutely and I think that's a great thing as well with like socials these days is people can like you see it with um like quite a lot of unknown people get suddenly plucked from what seems to be obscurity and they're photographing Kylie Jenner or they're styling Kylie Jenner or they're doing their makeup. It's just because they've seen them on Instagram and it's amazing. And like, it's, it's, that was actually another question that we were going to get to. But I just saw recently that Kim Kardashian is using this, I think she's international. I'm not sure where she's from, but Vanita Carter. And yeah. she has blown up on Instagram quite literally overnight because I don't know how obviously Kim saw her work or whatever happened but I mean you hear of these Hollywood stylists like Mae Riley and like you know there are these like Law Roach like there are so many big kind of LA stylists and I had never heard of Vanita Carter before until Kim posted something and it was picked up by like Vogue and like all these magazines and I was like followed her on Instagram and I was like oh my god she is the coolest person I've ever seen but her Instagram is just, and see her style and like how well fitting she is to like where Kim's next fashion chapter is taking her, which is away, obviously away from the Kanye chapter. But like, it's so yeah. kind of strong, yeah. and cool and like independent. It's so, I think her work is amazing. I but think, yeah, that's, it really has opened up the, the whole playing field really in terms of like 
accessibility and and opportunities which is exciting but I, I always find there's so much I feel like there's so much pressure with socials because so many people do it as a full-time job yeah. that when you're just kind of dipping in or just even if you're trying to commit but you just it's not your full-time thing yeah. that you're like oh well, yeah. don't know if this picture's really up to standard really for the grid <laughs> and you okay. overthink it all you're like because it's become such a like art form almost like people yeah. create their feeds and i'll tell you who does this really nicely hannah lewis she has oh, yeah. such a beautiful instagram feed and like it's like all the colors are really like harmonious and it's just like really pretty to look at but there's so much work that goes into hours something like yeah that. there really is but i mean would you say that having a social media presence is like a necessity to work in the fashion world I would say yes. I feel like you can commit to it on whatever level you'd feel comfortable, but I would say it is essential in terms of even if you're just friendly with PRs and they follow you and you follow them, just having something of yours that comes up to them that goes, oh yeah, it's just a nice mental reminder, especially like during these times where you're not seeing people at events, you're not seeing people for breakfast, you've not got that FaceTime. Just having that, oh yeah, they're still, they're still around or this is what they're doing now. It's kind of like an unofficial newsletter almost that you're like just popping up into their like conscious or like their conscious feed mentally just going oh yeah I've seen Emma's doing this or I've seen Sarah's doing this or Definitely. even if it's not like here's what I've done or this is what I'm wearing today it's just your name's coming up. I, I completely agree I think it keeps you in like the forefront of people's minds. I read that you should post like three times a day or something for growth but oh it's like a whole minefield I'm always so envious of the people who are just like so candid and snap this really cool like oh I just one shot picture I mean your Instagram's amazing you give me like the best outfit inspo when you post so sweet I know honestly like I love seeing outfit posts on Instagram because sometimes like you'll put something together and I'll be like oh, I didn't think of wearing like that jacket with that color trout like I'm a terrible enabler I am I'm just like I see things <laughs> like, you're like sorry I'll send it to someone and they're like oh god I've just bought that and I shouldn't yeah, I do that. I do that a lot off of your Instagram and I do it a lot of um, Charlie Tether from Glamour. I buy off her stories all the time. Well, it's that thing though as well where it's like you just, which is the great thing of seeing it all, like even if it's Pinterest or TikTok or Instagram, like just seeing different ways you can wear things you already own, like that's something yeah. I'm obsessed with because you don't, especially like at the moment, you don't necessarily have to go out and shop something entirely new. You can go, oh, what can I actually like? shop and find within what I've already got and just mix up a different way. I think our clothes tell such a story, going off a little bit back to styling. What advice would you give to someone wanting to get into styling now? I would say it's a tricky time to try and get placements, obviously, because yeah. at the moment, a lot of the time we're all doing things virtually anyway. But I just say to kind of work on their own style, even if it's just filming things for their socials in terms of different ways to wear things. Yeah and just really challenging themselves personally. So when they are in a set environment or they are given an opportunity that they can go, oh, I've thought about this, I know how to do this blazer or I know how to do things or, and kind of developing the skills that they already have. Just really taking advantage of social media and yeah. knowing that someone could see that and it could be then your moment rather than being in an office or being on set and that being your moment to be Definitely. kind of you're chosen or meet the right person it might just happen actually online and digitally instead you know if you are looking to get into styling and you've never done like an internship or you're just graduating and you're kind of like ah like I don't know how I'm even gonna break into this yeah. when no one's in the office it's like well actually I totally agree you know work on your personal style work on you know doing reels and 
actually someone I know, Jessie Stein, she's really, really, really great at doing this. And she does these reels of like five ways to wear your loungewear that look really cool. And it's like, that's a story for, that's a story for a magazine. So, yeah. you know, just because she's portraying it in a different way, essentially she's writing a story with that reel. Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't know who's going to see it. So I mean, like this cross medium thing, this whole, yeah, it's brilliant. It gives you a really good opportunity to kind of just put out there your own narrative, no, which is what people want. It's really authentic. And I think when the time comes, if you did want to pursue like an editorial career, you have something to show for that time. And you've not got a gap, you've got something to show exactly. I mean, obviously taking into account everything that we've discussed about how to break into the industry, this is obviously a wonderful industry. If there was something that you could change about it, what would it be? I'd make it a lot more inclusive because I really struggled. I was from, I'm from the Midlands. Um, like my mum was a nurse, my dad was a fireman, absolutely knew nobody in editorial, no one in publishing, nothing at all. So coming from the Midlands and just trying to be like, hi, trying to get in even the, a foot in the door for an internship, that was tricky. But financially, like the train from there was 50, 60 pounds a day and you might only get 40 pound a week in expenses. <laughs> so yeah. the, things like that, that's, I really struggled with that. So I would, that would be a main thing that I would change just to make it a bit better and a bit more actually plausible to do because there's people still to this day from home who come to me and they're like how how did you do this how are you doing this I'm like well I did have two other side jobs and, but, yeah. but you have if it's something you want to do um do make it work and you do find ways but it is so hard especially financially when you aren't earning anything and especially in fashion and there's people coming in in these amazing amazing expensive looks yeah. and you're like oh cool I'm only taking away 60 pounds from this role and my train was 70 and that wasn't the tube included and it's really it's really hard so that that's something I always like when I was at look I always fought to like make sure the um the placements were paid and that there was um travel expenses included or like lunch included or things like that and when I employ people and have assistants I pay them so much more than anyone ever paid me because I'm like no you're doing a job you deserve to be paid this amount and that's how I wouldn't be able to do this without you being here. So like, let's actually probably make this a fair even playing field here because yeah, that's what we're all here for to do really. We're here to like champion each other and push each other up. It's really tough to have to... It's really hard. Really, really hard. I, I had a placement once, a, mag, a very high-end magazine that will go unnamed. Yeah. And I get in there at 8 a.m. and I would leave at 8 p.m. And one day, one of the guys was like, oh, you could really stay a bit later, couldn't you? You know where you're like, you don't really, like, I think there's a thing in putting all the effort in, but also knowing where to go. Hold on, I'm not being taken advantage of to this 100%. level, because this is just too much. Yeah, and I also think that you can really tell when you are being taken advantage of, because in the roles, like me personally, in the roles that I did at different magazines as an intern, there were some internships that I did that I was like, oh my God, I never want to leave. Like Cosmo being yeah. And yeah. actually, when I was at Cosmo, it was, we were doing, Sari was styling Fash Fest, which used to be uh, yeah. a show that they would do um, the week before or the week after Fashion Week. And one of the, one of the parts of Fash Fest was this catwalk show in Westfield, Stratford. Yeah. And there was one night where 
Sarah and I went to Westfield and she actually gave me the freedom to like merch this whole stand by myself, which I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And we were there until like 10 p.m. And not for a second did I feel taken advantage of because I think at like four points, Sari was like, Emma, you can go. Emma, you can go. Emma, go home. And I was like, I'm not going to leave you to do this all yourself. Like I want to stay and I want to help. But also equally at the same time, you could be in a nine to five internship and you were just being sent out to get coffees or sweets or like snacks with someone. And you're like, might be with like, there's only so many times that you're like very happy to make the coffee, but also like, not not learning anything here. I mean, what would you say that you think like the biggest challenge that you faced in your career has been? So I would say money because I think working for little to no money for so many years, it really gives you like a bit of skewed value on yourself. And especially working in magazines for so long, notoriously very underpaid work in magazines. So when someone goes, oh, would you like 50 pounds? You're like, hello. I'll do this job for 50 pounds. Whereas actually you should probably be charging something like 300 pounds. And I think there's such a skewed reality on how much people actually earn in these like magazine roles when you're trying to get into it. You think, oh, I'll be fine. I can do this. I can get this. I'll wear all these lovely clothes and I'll live in this lovely house. And that's not kind of how it worked. So I think money was my main challenge and just learning, especially going freelance, like your value, what you're bringing and how much that is worth. And how much that brings to the table because especially in television um to this day it's so overlooked styling is you're like literally below anything i had a job recently where over covid they were like no i don't think you can really come to set and you're like i'm styling the main talent on this show that's only going to be them on screen and you're not you don't want the stylist to set and so i managed to we negotiated it so i'd be on set for the first day and on the first day there were three people who were on set just in charge of how the stage looked. Even though on TV there's much more value in it financially, you aren't valued necessarily as much as you would be editorially, where they're like, we need a stylist. We need to know that it's going to look good. We've already got like these pictures and Photoshop can only do so much. But it's just that fighting your value, whether that's financially or physically. Um, that's something I've really, really learned. And it's been a real challenge because it's that thing, it's very British as well, where you're like, oh, don't talk about money. Don't. It really is. But opening up that conversation, like I've had friends who, or, and colleagues who, um, who I've previously worked with, who've come to me and gone, hi, I'm now going to be styling this person for this show. I don't know how much to charge them. I don't have an agent. I don't, like, what, like, what money do you give? What number do you give to this, to this quote of, can you be on set these days? Can you do this? Can you produce this look? And every time someone's come to me, I've gone, no, you need to ask for more because yeah. I, I didn't, I've been in that place and I didn't ask for more. And it's only afterwards you go, oh yeah, should have asked for more there. Well, my dad's, my dad has been, bless him, harping on for years being like, well, you're not going to get a mortgage with a beauty bag. You need to have these uncomfortable discussions because if you don't, then people are going to take advantage of the fact that you're not talking about it. You know, one thing for me that has always really helped me is I've always gone to Gemma Hayward, like with my queries and kind of like, oh, what should I be charging? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And she's been so helpful to me as kind of like a mentor in that department. So I've been lucky to have her as kind of a mentor. And one question that I ask pretty much all of my guests is, is there someone that's kind of been a mentor or an inspiration to you, like be it in the industry, out the industry, but someone that's kind of inspired you? 
Oh gosh. Um, I've never had a direct mentor. I feel like I always, like I seek people out, but I've never had someone directly, but I did a job years ago with a stylist called Faye Sawyer. And at the time, um, a lot of people were like, you need to focus on, decide if you're focusing on like menswear or womenswear or editorial or blah, blah, blah. All these avenues, they were like, you need to specifically pick one thing. And she was styling for TV, she was styling for commercials, she was styling menswear, womenswear, she was styling dancers, she was styling singers, she was styling all of these different, like a massive bow full of strings full of people. And I was like, no, she's doing all this. Like, why pigeonhole yourself? Why, Why close that whole amazing market and amazing opportunity of people and jobs um, and then the industry I found is all about supporting and appreciating those around you and finding those people that really champion you so like friends like Alicia or, um, who's at Red Magazine and Amy who's at the Daily Mail and you yourself like just having that and Kate Barber she's been really helpful she's freelance now but she spent years at Fabulous Magazine and just people who know different sectors of the industry who can just bounce ideas or numbers or just bounce an experience off and they go oh no or oh that's really good or just to get a feel of things when you're say in a really weird tv commercial shoot that i find each of them are completely different every time just going oh okay have you done anything like this or emma have you had this and just going no or yes or just having that conversation is so important because a lot of the time you are just your own person on your own going home going to your studio your office and you've not got that kind of network that you could go oh, i just had that meeting it was weird and that would just be like a, a desk chat it's so hard not having that support sometimes not not being able to yeah. just like turn to the person that sits next to you and being like like in an office you go this is a weird email how do i how do i reply to this whereas like when you're freelance it does sometimes feel like oh my god i'm on my own but i mean obviously like working in the industry and i'm sure you get this all the time but like people being like the clothes the clothes like the clothes are so amazing and like i remember the first time like my first role was at a weekly magazine as well and it was pretty much working exclusively with like high street clothes and like and then when I started working at Grazia, I remember like the first shoot that I did, they had called in like a look from Gucci, a look from Prada, a look from Miu Miu, a look from like Saint Laurent. And I just remember like, a Molly Goddard blue dress. It was the one that Rihanna wore. And I remember picking it up and being like, oh my God, <laughs> like this yeah. is incredible. Like seeing the actual like fabric up close and like being yeah. able to like actually hold like you know, the Chanel bag that everyone wants to get their hands on. You could have one, like, one item, one accessory, one piece of clothing, like, in your dream wardrobe, what would you have? I'm just so unfussed by things sometimes. And I'm like, if I save up money, like, it took me years to buy a designer bag, because I just save and save and save, and then I'd go on a holiday. I did a job recently with this site, Open for Vintage, and I would buy one of their Chanel bags, because I love their whole ethos, and I... Yeah, there was a couple on set and I was like, That would be my item is like a Chanel bag because I think like the open for vintage ones are amazing. They have such a great curation. And like, I love vintage Chanel. I think it's like, it's just the best. Um, I like you just had like a life and a story before you as well. 100%. And like the fact that it's just like, there are styles that you'll never, you'll never, you won't see them again, like in this day and age, unless you're buying it vintage.
it's so easy to get swept away in like all of these new designer products and I think it's really easy in this whole social media world to get so swept up on like oh they've just got these Chanel slides like I need these Chanel slides yes. I need three pairs of them I'm only ever going to wear Chanel slides or like I'm going to get those to your boots and you're like no yeah <laughs> it's just not viable and also as well like I think it's great to be you don't have to be a fashiony person who's like only dressed in like the row like you can you can really take full advantage of the great gems you can find on like the high street and the mid-level brands and shop vintage and you can shop like her and places like by rotation where it's you're learning things instead you don't have to just absolutely max out your paycheck or your credit card or but i think that is what's amazing about like the brands that you've just mentioned and like there's a brand called bag butler and they have the Mm. most amazing chanel bags and they're fantastic and they have also like vintage chanel jewelry amongst like other brands as well of course i think they have some bottegas and they have like a few different i think dior as well they have like the saddle bag and doing something like that you know rent it for a week rent it for that event that you've got because actually you only would have worn it to a few events and then like a chanel bag is such a huge investment that it's like you might not want to wear it every day so why not just rent it like it's it's so brilliant i think it's such a great kind of concept Um, makes everything a bit more accessible my last question for you is if you could style any celebrity who would it be i was thinking and thinking and thinking and looking at people and i was like oh they already look good (laughs) or they like um but there's there's so many people like i'd love to do like phoebe waller bridge like blake lively like tessa thompson um like i'm obsessed at the moment with erica cloud who styles like dan levy like absolutely obsessed with everything she puts him in so i'm like you can stay with her because i'm just really enjoying every single look they keep serving up for us all um do you know what i mean i just i i'm excited to style anyone and everyone i appreciate a lot of people's work on other people i was talking to my boyfriend the other day about harry lambert and harry style styling and also like I feel like he's like a complete visionary because he's like completely changed the whole landscape and there's people who look great and you go oh yeah that's lovely like their best dress or whatever but I feel like with Harry Lambert's work he's created a whole other other level it's like power it's powerful it's like it's so powerful when you see Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue in a dress you're like that is amazing. That's extraordinary. Like it like transcends just being a look. It's like this is this is a life moment for yeah. so many people. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's so nice to be able to like sit back and admire everyone's work and be like, I appreciate all of you. Yeah. Well, like and also as well go, oh, like I'm inspired by this bit and this bit and Honestly, you do such an amazing job with the people that you style and I cannot wait to see who else you style in the future because I'm sure your career is on the trajectory. Oh, um, that's so kind. You too. Thank you so, so, so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. It's been been so fun. Huge thank you to Sarah for being involved with this week's podcast. If you have any questions for her at all, as usual, feel free to reach out on our Instagram at the Fashion Cover Podcast or an email at the Fashion Cover Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much again, Sarah. It was so great catching up with you and hearing all about what you've been up to. 
So for now, that's it. And I'll see you next week. Bye.